सहनावतु सहनाओ भुनक्तु सहवीर्यं करवावहै तेजस्विनावधीतमस्तु विद्विषावहै ओम शांति 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 थर्टीन वर्ष थर्टी मयी सर्वाणि कर्माणि संयस्याध्यात्मचेतसाशीर्निर्मो भूवा युद्धस्वगतज्वर ये मे मतमदनुति मानवा श्रद्धावंतोनुसूयंतःश्रद्धावंतोनुसूयंतःश्रद्धावंतोनुसूयंतःश्रद्धावंतोनुसूयंतःश्रद्धावंतोनुसूयंतःश्रद्धावंतो
Identify with Ishvara requires me to de-identify with the ego. Because ego is exclusive. It doesn't include anything. It excludes everything. It is only for itself. Whereas Ishvara is all-inclusive. For me to be inclusive, that tendency of excluding other things have to be given up. So how beautifully this becomes, as we said, the offering to each, this is bhakti, this is devotion. And that enables me to slowly and slowly identify with Ishwara and de-identify with the ego. <coughs> Shraddhavanta, do it with Shraddha, do it with faith, do it with devotion. Don't do it mechanically, don't do it because you have to do, don't do it because I am telling you to do. Do it because, let it, let it become your value. You, are, you recognize this. You yourself think about it and see whether this makes sense or not. So it should become our value. It cannot remain value of Bhagavad Gita or Lord Krishna or our teacher or something like that. Well, they unfold this before us, but then we have to make it our value. That is where the proper reasoning has to be applied. <coughs> Appropriate reasoning, is said. Shraddha anasuvyantaha. Those who do not cavil at this teaching, those who do not cavil at me, those who do not seek to find fault with me, meaning those people who are amenable to think in a manner where they can see the, the, the reality of what I am talking about. So have that kind of an attitude. Have an attitude of accepting with trust. Understand, Arjuna, that I am your well-wisher. I am Ishwara myself. And therefore I am revealing this order to you which is set in motion by me. And since I am well-wisher of everything, Ishwara being the self of all is well-wisher of everything in the universe. And so human being should also therefore tune itself himself up to this order. Therefore do not find fault with this teaching. Meaning that do not employ distorted reasoning so as to falsify or see false in this teaching. If you apply proper reasoning, you will see the, the sense in what is being said. But if you apply distorted reasoning, you can find all kinds of faults. So anasuyanta, without doing that, shaddhamantaha, with faith and devotion, you do this. Muchyante tepi karma vihi, they also get liberated from karma, from bondage. They also gain moksha. This is Anvaya and Vyatareka. Anvaya is agreement, Vyatareka is difference. Both the things should be told. What is the gain if you follow the injunction? What is the loss if you violate the injunction? So next verse tells us, what is the loss if we violate this injunction or violate this order? <coughs> verse 32, verse 33, no, 32, yeah. Yet me matam Sarvagnana vimudham stan Vidhinashtana chetasaha Ye tu, this too, those however, so distinguishing these fellows from the people described in the previous verse. Etat abhyasuyantaha, etat me matam, this matam, this opinion, this teaching, this vision of mine, not vision, this teaching of mine. Abhyasuyantaha, decrying this teaching. As we said, using a distorted reasoning to find fault with what I am saying here. In fact, not trusting me, that even though Lord Krishna says it, but then why does he say it? Why does he want that we should offer everything to him? What kind of a God is this? What kind of a... Uh, so... In Bhagavad Gita, somebody counted that Lord Krishna uses the pronoun I. 
I miss aham and all the vivaktis of aham. Aham, maam, maya, mai, etc. 108 times. 108 times Lord Krishna uses pronoun I. Looks like he's a very arrogant person. What is this? Is this is some kind of a self, you know, arrogant person? Do everything to me? Offer everything to me? So if thus Krishna is looked upon as a person, if you look upon Lord Krishna as Ishwara, then everything is fine. But that is your trust anyway. That's a matter of Shraddha. That these are the words of T. Ishwara. Therefore they are trustworthy. Therefore they are authentic. Now this is Shraddha. This is all a matter of faith. I mean, you know, who can prove this? People question these days whether the Vastra Swami, Lord Krishna, ever, was ever there? Or Rama was ever there? So begin from there. But Lord Krishna is talking about people of his own time. There were many who did not accept him as Ishwara, did not accept him even as a great person. Many people looked upon him as a, as a trickster, magician, whatever. So looking upon me as a human being, not only that, but judging me by their own standards because they know themselves as self-centered. They know themselves as narrow-minded. They know themselves as greedy. And they take for granted that everybody else also is like that. Papi sarvatta shankate papam. A papi always sees papi everywhere. I mean, you generally tend to see others from your own, you know, as you see yourself. So if somebody looks upon me as a human being having his own agenda, and therefore sees also some kind of an agenda in this teaching, that this is meant for the benefit of teacher Krishna himself rather than benefit of human beings, and therefore they do not follow this. They do not follow this process of yajna. They do not follow the spirit of yajna. People have a lot of difficulty with values also. Swami, you are talking about honesty, talking about non-violence, talking about straightforwardness, talking about fairness. All right in lectures, okay. It's good to talk about that. Good for the Swamis maybe. But not in the world, not in the place of work. It's not practical. Why is it said? Because finding that it is not possible for me to follow this value. I must somehow decry what is being taught here and prove it to be not right. Then only I can justify what I am doing. See, everybody needs to justify what he or she is doing. If I am violating the values, then I should justify and say that that alone works, Swami. That is practical. These things won't work. Those days are gone. So always people who always decry what is meant for their own well-being. Meaning that they refuse to live a life of selflessness or of contribution Instead, they remain consumers, bhogis, instead of being yogis. What happens to them? So now understand that when we violate the order, now order is, as you said, Ishvara, which is the, who is the self of the universe, he also happens to be our own self, meaning that the universal order also is my own self. He's not separate from me. So when I violate this order, I am essentially violating myself. All the values that are taught to us, such as non-violence, truthfulness, all of these are values that represent the universal order, which represents the nature of myself. So when we follow those values, then we are in fact respecting our own self, we are acting in harmony with ourselves. On the other hand, when we violate the values, we are violating our own self, we are going against ourselves. So yajna also is a value which is taught here for one's own well, goodness, good being, well-being. But if I don't trust this, and I violate that, I remain a self-centered person, I remain a grabber, I remain a consumer. 
what happens? Sarvagnana vimudhan tan. This vimudhan, vividhena mudhan, these people are variously deluded. Sarvagnana, in, in, in every kind of a knowledge. Meaning, in they are totally deluded in all kinds of understanding. Meaning that they are deluded with reference to what's the role of karma. As I said earlier, karma can be looked upon as a means of material prosperity or karma can be looked upon as a means of spiritual growth. Arjuna only knew karma as a means of material prosperity, therefore he told Lord Krishna, I don't see any purpose in fighting this battle. The Lord Krishna is showing how karma is a means of your self-growth, for your inner happiness, for the lasting happiness. <coughs> the material may give you perhaps fleeting happiness, even that is also an appearance, whereas when you commit yourself to growth, inner purification, you in fact attain lasting happiness. So about karma itself, there is a moha, meaning that delusion as to what the purpose of karma is. What about Ishwara? There also there is delusion. Whether Ishwara is there or not, whether he is a well-wisher, what it is, there also they are deluded. What to talk of Param Brahma? Of course they are deluded. Sarvajnana, Sarvatra, Yajnanam, whatever be the nature of the knowledge, even worldly knowledge also, whether it is knowledge of the self, or knowledge of non-self, everywhere these fellows are deluded, because they do not know the non-self also. They do not understand the world also. They assume that the world is a source of happiness, which is a wrong understanding about the world. And they assume that Atma is unhappy, Self is unhappy. That's a wrong understanding about the Self. Sarvajnana, in every way, in every, every aspect of knowledge or understanding, these fellows are deluded. About karma, about Self, about non-self, about everything, they have totally deluded ideas, wrong ideas. Then what happens? If we function based on wrong understanding, then the outcome is going to be also wrong anyway. It's going to be, I'm, thus, by violating the order, at every time I violate, I'm damaging myself. Every time, I'm not only creating a conflict in myself, but I'm hurting myself. So we say that human being has both these possibilities. If he lives intelligently and uses his free will intelligently, wisely, he helps himself. On the other hand, uses his free will unwisely, unintelligently, he hurts himself also. That's the unfortunate thing. We do not have a choice. Swamiji, I don't want to, I don't care to help myself. If you do not help yourself, you hurt yourself. That's a problem. Otherwise, okay, I don't I don't care. I don't want to grow. I don't want to be happy. I'm I'm all right with whatever comes from pizza and stuff like that, okay with me. But no, if you do not if you do not do what is right, you will wind up doing what is wrong. If you do not help yourself, you will hurt yourself. This is this is unfortunate, unfortunate. Whatever. This is the reality. Sarvajnana vimurantan. So these people who are deluded in respect to understanding everything, and therefore what they are doing is wrong at every step. They are violating the universal order. They are violating themselves. They are going against their own true nature, and thus creating a lot of conflict within themselves and. Because of the conflict, a lot of waste of energy is there. Our mental vitality gets, you know, slowly and slowly lost. It leaks out. Vidyanashtan achetasaha. Achetasaha. This avivekana, these fools. Avivekana means these non-discriminating people. Vidyanashtan, know them to be destroyed. Nashta means know them to be destroyed, lost. Nash adarshane, all right. Know them to be lost or know them to be destroyed. <coughs> destroyed means what? Not that they die. That kind of destruction doesn't happen, but a worse destruction happens. That you are, you are in the human, you have a human body, all right, but the mind is not human. 
the purpose of human life is to attain purushartha, meaning to attain the goal. Purushai arthadeva, that which is sought by all human beings to attain that goal is the purpose of human life. And by thus violating the order constantly, you are going against your own nature, creating conflicts within yourself, and that's how slowly lose the very ability to discriminate. As Lord Krishna says in the second chapter, Buddhinashat Pranashyati. When every time you use your mind in a wrong way, ultimately use the capacity, lose the capacity to discriminate or make the right choices. Meaning that those people are not able to accomplish anything worthwhile in their life. <coughs> you may not agree, Swamiji, who says that? We find no many people who are totally selfish, totally egoistic. And look there, they're billionaires. Well, okay, that's their prarabdha. So what you get in terms of earth and karma, that is comfort and pleasure of wealth, all of this is basically prarabdha. Purushartha is in dharma and moksha. Maybe they're... It is the, the result of past karma that they are enjoying this way. Sometimes it looks to us as though all the laws that are told here are not really, we don't find evidence of them. You say that the people who worship Ishwara, they get liberated, and people who violate, they get lost. We see the other way around. People who are worshipping, they are all poor. People who are violating, they are all up there. Looks like this kind of laws don't seem to be working. But then we do not know. As we say, <laughs> is it inside or outside? I don't know. Some practices. Oh, somebody is playing flute, I guess, is it? Lord Krishna is playing flute. But as I say, the success of a person is to be judged by his what he is and not what he has. We have to look at the state of the mind of these people. What kind of a mind are they enjoying? What kind of peace of mind they are enjoying? What kind of self-acceptance they have? What kind of self-esteem they have? What kind of self-respect they have? What kind of relationship they have with other people? If you are a grabber, if you are a self-centered person, you cannot maintain relationship with anybody. To nurture and nourish any relationship with anybody requires you to always invest something, to offer something. Otherwise, you cannot maintain any relationship. A self-centered person will be isolated. And they have a miserable life. As far as the personal life is concerned, that is what is when Nashtan understand them to be lost or destroyed, as far as the peace of mind or happiness, self-acceptance is concerned. So it's called Vyatireka. Anvaya Vyatireka. What is the gain if you follow the law? What is the loss if you violate the law? <coughs> Question is, why do people do this? Why do they violate the law? Sometimes knowing, knowing that to speak truth is the right thing to do, still they, they tell lies. Knowing that you should not hurt anybody, still they wind up hurting. Why do people conduct themselves the way they do? Don't they realize that they are violating the law and whenever you violate the law, you are, li- you are liable to be punished? Just as, you know, whether you are in a, in a kingdom or whether you are in a, in, a, in a state or nation, there are laws, when you violate the laws, you are always afraid. You know that the speed limit is 55 miles an hour, we are driving at 75 miles an hour, something inside, that problem is there anyway, because you are afraid. Particularly here, you know, where the patrolman can be and from where does he appear, you know, you never know. He may not appear, you may be lucky, but still, there is a fear inside. So whenever law is deliberately violated, there is fear. And therefore it's out of fear that people follow the law, you know. The reason why here people follow the laws, 
These people are basically law-abiding, that is one thing, but at the same time, they know the consequences of violating the law also. If you give liberty, that you can get away by violating law, then people's mind being what? It is human mind. We always want to take liberty. Always want to take shortcuts. It will happen. But when we know that the consequences of violating the laws are very severe, people conduct themselves properly. So both are required. You should be a law-abiding person. At the same time, a strong law and order infrastructure also is required. So how come people are violating these universal laws? That question and answer in verse 33. Sadrusham cheshtate svasyaha Prakrute jnana vanapi Prakrutim yanti bhutani Nigrahah kinkarishyade Jnanavanapi svasya prakrutehe sadrusham cheshtate. Now Lord Krishna presents before us a very important observation. See, a lot of important psychology is, is uh, because of course we have to deal with our mind. And so lots of uh, insight we get as to how the mind functions. Here Lord Krishna says that Jnanavanapi even a wise person, or if not a wise person, even a learned person, put it this way. Even a learned person also, svasya prakrutehe sadrusham cheshtate. A learned person also only acts as, as determined by his nature. Here, Arjuna, people are controlled by their nature. What is his nature? Nature is what we have brought with us. Everybody is born with a certain certain tendencies. Everybody has certain tendencies. Everybody has certain patterns in, of thinking and responding. So these tendencies, these patterns of thinking, patterns of judging, patterns of responding, everybody, you know, presented with a given situation, different people will evaluate it differently. They will judge it differently. They'll respond it differently also because everybody has his or our own way of evaluating, judging, understanding, responding. In that sense, everyone is unique. We have brought our own nature with us. called prakriti. The nature of the mind. The tendencies in the mind. And these are the result of our past karma. Whatever good or evil karmas we may have performed in the past, all of them ultimately cause in constructing or making what we call our nature. <coughs> this is called prakriti, svabhava or the nature. <coughs> it is, I should not call it nature really, we should call it habit. Because nature is Brahman. Or nature of the mind is really mind by nature, is pure and saintly and good and kind and loving. That's the nature of the mind. So what is this nature? This is habit. Because of having, have you said that in satsang also, that what we call the divine tendencies, namely compassion, this is our nature. But because of ignorance and living unintelligently, we have inadvertently allowed these devilish tendencies also to take hold in our mind. Thus everyone is a combination of divine tendencies as well as the demoniac tendencies. Meaning everybody has kindness as well as cruelty. Everybody has compassion as well as anger. Everybody has truthfulness as well as dishonesty in different proportions. Nobody is free from that. Whoever is born is born with a combination of both these tendencies. 
we call him a good person when the good tendencies predominate. That does not mean that those other evil tendencies are not there at all. If so, there would be no need to be born. So both the tendencies are there. A combination of them makes what we call the nature of the person. But it is not really nature because nature cannot be changed, habit can be changed. <clears throat> so as we said, in, intrinsically we are all kind and loving persons. But then, incidentally, that is what we call the intrinsic nature and that is the incidental because of ignorance, because of, because of the lack of discrimination, because of wrong understanding. We also have within us these devilish tendencies, but they are not of a nature, therefore we can remove them. And that is our purushatha. Basically what we have to do is, we have to get rid of these demoniac tendencies from us. And attain our own state of mind, which is what we call the pure mind. That is the true nature of the mind. Varjuna, people are born with this, and therefore there are many impulses within. In this prakruti of the nature, there are impulses such as anger, such as greed, such as cruelty, such as jealousy. People are born with these things. And it is these impulses that actually control what they do. Most of the time, our free we are supposed to have the free will, all right. Most of the time, the free will is not really utilized. I utilize my free will provided I perform a deliberate action. But very often, our actions are impulsive. Their reactions, not actions. And these reactions are determined by our impulses, such as anger, etc. Gnya, even a well-informed person, one who knows and talks like this also understands everything. That also. When the time comes, when anger takes over, when jealousy takes over, when greed takes over, when frustration takes over, then behaves as dictated by that strong tendency. And that is the reason why people violate, they, they know this, what they are doing is wrong. He knows that he is riding at 73 and driving at 80 miles an hour on a 55 mile road. He knows. He knows the consequences. But inside, some kind of an exercise, something that wants excitement. He knows smoking is wrong. When you start at least, you know, later on of course you lose total control over it. Knows. But the kind of kick I guess it must be giving, kind of high, whatever it does to a person, that is so tempting that you know that this is the wrong thing to do. If it was not wrong thing, you would not smoke in the bathroom or places like that, hiding from others. Later on you become bold enough to do it, you know, but in the beginning, everybody always does it as nobody knows. Drinking, smoking, whatever. Person knows that this is wrong. It's not that they don't know. But still, the temptation to get that experience, what it is that you know, what, how do you feel when you're high? Recently, New York Times reported, what was that kind of a, some kind of medicine that the anesthesiologists use for anesthetizing, you know? What is it? Propofol. Okay. So, uh, things are talked about that. This is an anesthesiologist, young man, 38 year old. And then, uh, I guess he may have some problem with sleep, so he started, you know, he, know he, he can inject himself. So for sleeping, then when he injected a little more, then he had that high feeling. Now he knows very well, and still, he kept on, you know, he became addicted to that. To such an extent that one night he took as many as twelve injections of this. He had, what do you call that, you know? Huh? Butterfly, whatever it is, so that you can inject, you know, on his on his leg. Some some technical word is it, whatever. But then, so what do you call that thing for chemotherapy? So whenever you you know you, huh? Port. Okay. This is what he had done. 
he had taken, and then he was driving. Having had 12 injections the previous evening, he just, he fell asleep. He, you know, uh, collided against a, a post and whatever and got hurt. And what I'm saying is, this is a person who, who can be better informed than that person as to the effect of this medication? He knows. There are, there are surgeons who perform surgery of the, in, in India upon patients who are suffering from cancer of mouth. And it's well known that this cancer happens because of chewing tobacco. Now there are pan masalas, you know. Tobacco comes with all kinds of spices. So I guess it, everybody, everybody eats this. And so many cases of cancer in Tata Hospital, Tata Memorial in Bombay, these fellows perform so many such surgeries. He goes out himself, that surgeon, he eats the same thing. Now, jnana, he knows very well, he's a well-informed person. And still he does it. Sadrusham chastade svasyaha prakrutair jnana vanapi. You're a well-informed person. Diabetes. And still you cannot resist the, 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 the urge for rasagulla. You know, cannot. Candies. You may not do it in public, but who knows what's happening in the room. I have a problem that everything that I do is always washed, you know. Suppose I eat a candy, the wrapper, next day is a Swamiji, who came to your room last night? <laughs> Unless I go out myself and, and deposit it in the dustbin outside, otherwise, you know, it's uh, a little difficulty. But sometimes, even at that cost, there is such a strong urge for something sweet, candy, whatever it is, that even though the doctor may have prohibited this, this is poison for you, but still, knowingly, jnana-vanapi. The idea is that how a person violates, even though well informed, because there is some, some impulse inside that overcomes, that in fact, that is stronger than his wisdom, or stronger than his good sense, Bhutani. Here, Arjuna, that's why people violate. They know what is the right thing to do. They know that giving is right, not grabbing. They know that helping is right, not hurting. And still, because of that, that strong prakruti or impulses, they wind up hurting other people. They wind up grabbing from people, etc. Prakrutim yanti Bhutani. So Lord Krishna gives us this, this general rule. Bhutani prakrutim yanti. Here, Arjuna, all beings follow their nature. Nigraha kim karishadi. What can restrain do? What can doctors, they try to restrain you. What can they do? What can even anybody do? Because the inner impulse is so strong that even my own restraint does not work. At that time all my wisdom or my you know, information, everything is relegated to the background. Nigraha kim karishadi. So question was, how come people violate values? How come people violate this order? How come when it is very clear in the scriptures, how come when they are even taught, and then they know what the right thing is to do, and still how come they do something wrong? It is prakriti, it is nature, the impulses with which people are born. If this is so, if we are controlled by our nature, or our impulses, then what is the difference between us and other creatures? Dogs and cats also are controlled by their nature, and if we are also controlled by nature, what's the use of all this teaching? Is there a scope for free will? Is there a scope for any deliberate action? Or are we only controlled by these impulses? Lord Krishna says, no, there is a scope. So next verse tells us that, Indriyasya Indriyasya Arthe Indriyasya Indriyasya Tayor Navasama Gacheda Tauhyasya Paripanthinau So what is referred by the word Prakruti, the nature, is clarified. What is this prakriti that Lord Krishna is talking about? Which controls people, 
it is prakriti of the nature that determines what people do what do you mean by that nature lord krishna says ragadvesho vyavasthito indriyasya indriyasyarthe ragadvesho vyavasthito people are born with a tendency of raga and dvesha attachment and aversion likes or dislikes people are born with this tendencies what is the basic reason basic reason is that there is a natural love for happiness and natural aversion for unhappiness sukha prapti dukha nivrutti a natural love for sukha or happiness and aversion attachment for happiness and aversion for unhappiness is natural why is it natural again it's not natural but still it's like natural why is it natural because we are born with ignorance and therefore born with this conclusion that i am in inadequate happiness is not within me happiness is out there so each one of us is born with this conclusion so why is it so people get frustrated why is it so why has god created this why did it that i don't know this is what it is there is no answer to the question why this is what it is whether you like it or not this is what it is we are born that way so yeah they are just telling us what we are because of ignorance i take myself inadequate a wrong perception of myself i am inadequate i am lacking i am wanting therefore a wrong perception of the world that the world will fulfill my inadequacy i am unhappy so the objects of the world will give me happiness that's also wrong perception so wrong perception of myself and wrong perception of the world now there is a natural love or attachment for happiness so whatever i look upon as source of happiness there is going to be attachment for that also see primary attachment is for myself and self happens with the nature of happiness therefore there is primary attachment for happiness and therefore whatever i look upon as source of happiness or means of happiness there is an attachment for that there is an aversion for unhappiness or sorrow or pain so whatever i look upon as a cause of pain or sorrow there is a natural aversion so aversion for sorrow results into aversion of all those things which i brand as source of sorrow this is my personal view everybody has a subjective view everybody has there is no you know there is nothing no universality about what gives happiness and what gives unhappiness is my personal view what gives me happiness may be quite different from what gives you happiness it can give unhappiness also and what gives me unhappiness can give happiness also anukulam pratikulam what is anukulam conducive favorable means of happiness there is automatically raga or attachment pratikulam whatever i consider as pratikulam unfavorable undesirable source of unhappiness source of sorrow that is going to be an aversion so lord krishna says that everybody is born with this tendency of attachment and aversion this is how we generally relate it is not that ever for every object there is attachment and aversion there are many about which i am indifferent also we indifferent about the trees indifferent about the stones indifferent about many things are indifferent also but otherwise raga and dvesha so whenever we do something generally what in fact controls or what determines what i do it is my attachment and aversion that determine what i do a natural tendency to acquire possess enjoy what i am attached to it is a natural tendency to avoid get rid of hurt what i what i am i have an aversion for so here you know this is called prakruti this is called the nature this is a tendency of attachment and aversion which are products of ignorance with which people are born and usually they control 
or they determine what people do. So prakritam yanti bhutani, people follow their nature, which means that people are basically controlled by their attachments and aversions. <coughs> so what do we do then? So Lord Krishna says, now here comes the self-effort. Here comes the use of free will. Tayor Here, Arjuna, do not come under their sway. Why should not come under their sway? What's wrong with attachment and aversion? Tauhyasya paripanthinau. Here, Arjuna, they are the enemies. They are your enemies. Attachment and aversion appear as friends. Because generally when my attachment aversion is satisfied, I'm happy. Usually when I'm happy, attachment and aversion give rise to desires. Attachment give rise to desires to acquire and possess and experience something. Aversion give rise a desire to get rid of something, dislike something, hate something. So generally, when my raga or dvesha, when it's satisfied, I'm happy. So desire prompted by likes and dislikes when it's satisfied, I'm happy. So I think that it is good to have attachment and aversion because then alone I can be happy. Here, yes, Juna, they're not your friends, they're your enemies. You know, because satisfying attached desires, meaning satisfying attachment and aversions, you can never get rid of them. They become stronger and stronger and stronger. Like pouring butter into fire, so more you justify your likes and dislikes, stronger they become and more they control you. And a person becomes slave of likes and dislikes. Do not come under their sway. Do not come under the sway of anger. Likes and dislikes are, Lord Krishna reduces all those impulses into two. Raga and Dvesha. It includes everything. Swami, anger? Yes. Jealousy? Yes. Frustration, yes. Hatred, everything is included here. Most of these will be classified as dvesha, aversion. Greed, attachment will be classified. Temptations, greed, all of these will be classified as raga or attachment. So, Lord Krishna reduces all the impulses or damaging tendencies in these two, raga and dvesha. And tells us, here, Arjuna, do not come under their sway. Then what do I do? You should take refuge and do something. You should take, you know, hold on to something else. Hold on to scriptures. Scriptures tell you what is right and what is wrong. Therefore, you make a commitment to yourself that I am not going to be controlled by my likes and dislikes, but then I have, I have placed myself in the hands of the scripture and I will be controlled by what the scripture says. So there are two things in our life. Either a person is vasana shasida, controlled by the vasanas or natural tendencies, or shastra shasida, or controlled by the scripture. So this is the scriptures that will help us, like Bhagavad Gita, which tell us what is right or what will help us and what will hurt us, as we just discussed. Arjuna, you make a commitment or make a firm determination of being dictated by the injunctions of scriptures rather than dictated by your natural tendencies of likes and dislikes. Whenever you are about to do something, it is the like and dislike that will generally want to control you. They will always come up and say, what is in it for me? What am I going to get? Who is this person? I hate him. Okay, hurt him. I love him. Okay, help him. So usually, attachment and aversions seek to control us or determine what we do. It is at that time that we replace them by the instructions of the value of the scriptures. So generally a tendency to grab, that's what my attachment was, grab it. Then I remind myself, but then Bhagavad Gita says give. So the grabbing tendency is replaced by giving. 
So I refused to be controlled by the tendency to grab and I deliberately planned that the tendency to give. Anger arises. I hate this person. I'm going to hurt him. Then ahimsa, I remind myself, wait a minute, non-violence is a value, forgiveness is a value, compassion is a value, be kind, be forgiving, be large-hearted, come on mind. Don't hate this person, don't hurt him, forgive him, accommodate him, understand, be kind to him. Oh, but Swami is a miserable person, is the way how he behaves, doesn't matter, leave him to himself, give him the freedom to be what he is. He was hurting you, protect yourself. That's okay. I mean, we do not allow others to hurt us. To protect ourselves is our, uh, certainly our duty. Other than that, don't be judge of the whole world, you know, and then try to do things like that. Be compassionate. Thus, for every negative tendency, there is a positive tendency. Here, you know, do not come under the sway of these negative tendencies. Because they are your enemies. They'll control you. They'll make you violate the values all the time. They will only create a dharma. And thus this kama, krodha, these, uh, these demons will keep on ruling your mind and make you miserable. You will experience only the pain of hell right here. As in 16th chapter, Lord Krishna says, Trividam narakasedam dwaram nasanamatmanaham. These tendencies, in fact, destroy us. They, they destroy our vitality. They destroy our power of uh, resolve, sankalpa. They destroy the inner strength. Destroy us. Therefore, do not come under their sway. What do I do for that purpose? Next, next was Lord Krishna says. Shreyan Swadharma Vigunaha Paradharmat Svanushthitad Svadharme Nidhanam Shreyaha Paradharmo Bhayavaha So this is Lord Krishna's prescription of how we can overcome or we can subdue those tendencies of Raga and Dvesha. What Raga Dveshas Compel me to do, you know. Usually attachment and aversion create in me an aversion for what I should do, an aversion for what is right, an attachment for what is, what I like. In every situation there are generally these choices. What I like to do and what is right to do. So usually, this attachment and aversions create an aversion for what is right, an attachment of what I like. This is what they do. What is Swadharma? Swadharma means my dharma. What is the right thing for me to do? Shreyan Swadharma Vigunaha. In every situation, Arjuna, commit yourself to do what is right. No, but Swamiji, you know, you know what, what that means? That means that I have, to, uh, I, have to, I have to go through a lot of pain. I have to ex- exert myself, I have to suffer. Shriyan Swadharma Vigunaha. And Swamiji, sometimes I can't even, I, I, even though I like to be truthful, I cannot quite do it so well. It's so easy for me to tell a lie. To tell truth is very difficult. So easy for me to hurt somebody, to be compassionate is very difficult. Vigunaha. Even if you cannot do it very well, if following value you cannot do very well, still you follow Swadharma. Swadharma for our purposes means what is right in a given situation. Play your role well. Play your role according to the values of life. And also act in a responsible manner. Take responsibility. Recognize what your status is, what your dignity is, the you know, scheme of things have, has placed you in a given situation. And therefore, live up to that situation. Play that role well and follow the values. Do what is right. Even if it is hurtful. 
Paradharmo Bhayavaha, violating the value may appear to be very convenient. Telling the truth, I mean telling a lie, you can get away from a lot of inconvenience or a lot of embarrassment. Sometimes Swamiji, telling truth is very embarrassing. And so, we tell a lie. What is your age? What is your salary? You see, in India people ask all kinds of embarrassing questions, right and open. Traveling in train, people make friends within five minutes and right away they ask you all your, you know, intimate questions. You don't want to share everything with any, you know, with people. So what do you do? What is your salary? 25,000 rupees a month. I may be getting 5,000. But I don't want to appear like, you know, like a nobody before that person. So how old are you? This Swamiji says, if I'm 70, I say I'm 75. If I'm 30, I say I'm 25. Whatever. <clears throat> I always want to seek, I'm seeking approval of the world. I want to look always good before them. I want to be, appear as a successful person. I want to appear as a smart, intelligent person. I want to appear as a person who, is, who knows everything. That's how I want to appear. That image, so much attachment to my image, what people will think and what they will say and what it is, is so important to me that for that sake, I compromise my value, I become dishonest, I tell lies. No, I don't know if there is anybody in this world who tells all the truth to everybody. It's not possible. If Mahatma said that I don't think that even husband and wife, even though there's such an intimate relationship is there, even then, whether husband tells everything that is right to the wife and vice versa, then we have to really prostrate to them if they do that. They're saints. Then what to talk of other things, you know, other relationships and other people. It is so difficult to be honest, so difficult to be truthful, and so convenient to tell a lie, so convenient to be dishonest now and then, so that's okay. So that pull of insecurity to avoid embarrassment, to always to invite praise, to invite acceptance, to invite approval, that the value of those things are so strong that the value of truthfulness, honesty, etc. often suffer. Tayor do not come under their sway, they are enemies. Once you start, once you recognize how convenient it is to tell a lie, then second time also you'll use that tool. Third time also you'll use, and no sooner you'll become a liar, become a cheater. You become just, it's all addicting. Just as you just start a little bit, you know, out of fun for smoking and soon before you realize you are addicted to that. To many things. So these are all addictive things. Escape route, taking shortcuts, avoiding pain in general. The tendency to avoid pain makes us violate the value. Avoid pain and always seek pleasure. This tendency makes us violate the values. It says, no, do what is right. Painful, still do it. Swadharma nidhanam shreyaha In following your dharma, in following your values, in following what is right. Nidhanam, suppose it invites death. That's an extreme case. In case of Arjuna. In case of Arjuna, Swadharma, what is right in the situation is to fight the battle, which may even result into his death, possible. That's why Arjuna says, you know, uh, okay, Lord Krishna, no, no, I will do what the scriptures say. But you know what? I, why, why not I uh, take sannyasa? So I become a renunciate. Then I'm not obliged to fight in the battle because that's not my dharma. It's a dharma of sannyasi. He doesn't fight battles. Let's go paradharma Arjuna, that's not your swadharma. That does not in fact suit your nature. By nature you are kshatriya. You are a person who cannot tolerate injustice. That's a kshatriya. His injustice somewhere right away, you know, something within him tells him, you know, he, he will jump into the thing. When he finds that dharma is being violated, he wants to protect it. That's a kshatriya. That's how you are. 
Even if you become a sannyasi, then you find somebody doing something right away, your kshatriya dharma will dictate you. And therefore, svadharme nidhanam shriyaha. In doing what is right, nidhanam means not death. I'm not suggesting that you follow that to that extent. But then, recognize what your limits are. Following values and following svadharma is painful. There's no question about it. If it was not painful, then we were all saints, you know, no question about it. And there is always a limit to the extent of pain that I can bear. So recognize your limits. And act within those limits. If you think that the pain is too much, okay, take some liberty. But then make a commitment to yourself that will stretch those limits. If you cannot pray, oh Lord, please give me strength so I can stretch the limits. So when also whenever you violate value, t- uh, tell him, seek pardon. Lord, I am sorry today. Karacharana Kratam Vak Sarvamitat Kshamasva Kshamasva means what? Do something, not just say, please pardon me. Do an act of atonement. So, do one mala, five mala, whatever it is, you know. Shiram, Jayanam, Jayanam, do this. Something. Something positive you do to compensate the effect of something negative that you've done. Otherwise, it says, oh Lord, please forgive me, please forgive me. That also become a habit, you know. Now, let your mind also recognize what it say, what it means to violate a value. Let the mind, okay, nine, you're going to get up one hour early tomorrow and you're going to chant this mantra. That fellow wants to sleep, you make him wake up. This is the way we can strengthen our inner willpower. And what we need is a strong willpower, a commitment and value of values to be able to follow values. Because the tendency to violate values are always, is always there. To take shortcuts is always there. Insecurities are always there. Tend to avoid pain is always there. We have to become strong. And that is called inner growth when you become strong progressively. So dharmin, dhanam shriyaha, in following your dharma, in doing what is right. If it means pain, still that is okay. Paradharma bhayavaha, the comfort that you get by violating a value is fraught with fear because they will keep doing, making you do it again and again and again. Ultimately, you will no, no more remain in the category of human being. You will fall in the category of a demon. That's called asura. That's how in our Puranas we find the fight between Devatas and Asuras. Asura demons are shown having horns and some protruding teeth, etc. Whether such people existed or not, I don't know. But that shows the tendencies. That's what you will become. Let me become. But that means you are making yourself miserable. Because your mind is, there is a constant battle going on in your mind. You can't do anything right. That mind will not allow you to enjoy anything. Ultimately, not only do we need the means of happiness, we also need the capacity to enjoy those things. These people do not realize. We always equate happiness with the things that we have collected ourselves and think that all right, all these source of entertainment, so I'll be happy. But you need capacity to enjoy that also. Is it not so? As Swamiji says, you can invite Pandit uh, Jasraj, you know, to your home. He's so wealthy private audience. And Pandit Jasraj is there, Bhimsa and Joshi are singing and singing and you are dozing. Because the capacity to enjoy is not there. The best things are there. You don't need anything in your home. Ishwara has created all kinds of things for you to enjoy. You don't have to grow trees in your house and flowers. and It's all there. And stars, everything is there for you to enjoy. Provided you have a mind to enjoy it. Where is it? The moon is, full moon is there. I don't even look at it. I just walk away. My mind is, you know, all kinds of stuff going on in the mind. Who has the leisure? To enjoy the life, you require leisure. To enjoy even what you have, you require leisure. And when this tendency is dominated in the mind, there is no leisure. Mind is pulled apart in different directions. And so it is restless, it is distracted. No peace of mind, no leisure. He eats all night, doesn't know what he's eating. How was the breakfast, dear? Oh, it's very delicious. 
Only when your wife eats, she says, so much, three times the salt in this upma. What did you eat? He did not know what he was eating. Swallow things. He goes through everything mechanically because it is the, oh, his impulses are controlling him. This becomes a mechanical, reactive life. And so, do not come into this way, they are enemies. They'll destroy you. So dharma Therefore, stick to your dharma. Stick to your position in life. Post in where you are appointed. And do what is right. No, no, but if I do that, that's better. That's not, that may look, the always the grass looks greener the yonder, you know. But when you go there, then you find out that's not so. Thus, Lord Krishna prescribes swadharma as a means of slowly and slowly overcoming the impulses and mastering our own prakriti, our own mind. Swadharma means a commitment to my duty, commitment to dharma, a commitment to do what is right. <clears throat> so here, the teaching of karma yoga and all the necessary things is complete. The chapter still continues because Arjuna asks a question. We'll see that tomorrow. <clears throat> Om Purnamadav Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnamevavashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashakruta Vande Bhagavanta Punapunaha Ishvaro Guru Ratmedi Murti Bheda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadvyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru Bhyo Namaha Hari Om